It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Am I allowed to say balls to the wall? Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 578 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, October the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors as well, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure that you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. If there is a team that you like in the NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, or NCAA, Please look up to see if there's a corresponding lockdown show. Odds are there will be one, and you can get local expert content every single day covering your favorite teams. It's very much appreciated if you leave rankings and reviews as well, or ratings and reviews as well, on the shows that you like. It helps us with the rankings and helps us to become more discoverable and all those fun, buzzy podcast words that we'd like to throw around. So thank you in advance for taking the time to do that. All right, on today's show, the Toronto Raptors have won two consecutive games, baby. Of course, their first win was their championship ceiling game six win over the Warriors. At number two in the streak is a 134-129 victory over the Houston Rockets in Tokyo this morning. Uh, And I'm just going to sort of run through the the box score here and just sort of rattle off 14 takes on the 14 guys who played in this game. Lots to take away. Lots of positives, obviously, from a nice win. It was a comeback win. They were down going into the fourth quarter by seven. They were down uh, like 12 at halftime and ended up turning around a pretty nice victory. And some nice contributions from guys who are very much sort of in the running for rotation spots and just NBA jobs, period. And so I'm just going to run through the box score and sort of hit on everybody, and we'll go a couple minutes on each player. And by the time we finish all that, we'll be at about half an hour, and that will be that. So let's get to it. First off, we should probably start with Pascal Siakam. He was mostly very good in this game, in particular in the first quarter. He had 13 points on 4 of 6 shooting in the first quarter, 5 boards, 3 assists, 
and looked really comfortable. He, you know, still continues to have just an uncanny knack to know exactly the weight and angle uh, against which to throw the ball against the glass and, you know, get those weird sort of kooky layups to fall down. Had a couple and ones. He got to the line eight times in this game, was eight for eight, which I think we're going to see quite a bit considering just sort of his style of play, right? Where it's a lot of drives, it's a lot of sort of getting into the teeth of the defense, and it's a lot of forcing defenders to really sort of go above and beyond to stop him in close. And with him sort of amping up his usage, I would expect we're going to see his free throw rate pretty significantly climb. And he was 8 of 8 from the line, which is nice to see, considering he sometimes had some up and downs at the line before. And so it was nice to see. He hit a couple threes. He had one three like at the shot clock that was from like 30 feet. That was fantastic. And he just seemed like he was happy to try a bunch of stuff. And look, there's going to be some growing pains with Pascal Siakam, and we saw that very much on display in this game. He was excellent for the first half. He came out in the third quarter, and it was a little bit ragged. He had a travel where he got a little happy feet, and it just kind of got away from him. There were a couple missed threes. There were a couple sort of, you know, ill-fated drives. He had five turnovers to his four assists in this game. That's a number to keep an eye on, the turnover-to-assist ratio. But, you know, for the most part, I think it was what you'd expect from Pascal Siakam as he sort of gains the experience and sort of starts to dive into the waters of being a number one option. There are going to be growing pains. We're going to see this throughout the season. But it seemed like anytime he had one of those sort of concerning possessions where it's like, uh-oh, is this really going to work out for him as the number one guy? He would come back and do something amazing. And so you, there were a couple like offensive fouls, a couple missed threes. He had that uh, a couple turnovers in, that, in the start of that third quarter. And then all of a sudden he you know bl- blows by a dude for, dude for a beautiful finish and then follows it up with a travel. And it was just kind of that sort of yin and yang in the second half in particular for Pascal. But, uh, I mean, he looked great. He really, really looks comfortable. He took six threes in this game. It was nice to see him taking threes from above the break. I think all of his threes came from above the break, if I'm not mistaken, which is a nice change from last year where he was pretty much just a catch-and-shoot-from-the-corner guy. So nice start for Pascal Siakam. I really enjoyed watching him, and it's nice to see that he's hitting the ground running with a pretty nice performance, 24-11-4 with a steal and a block in 27 minutes for Pascal. 7-16 shooting, but he balanced that out with the eight trips to the line. All right. Let's go to Serge Ibaka. 22 minutes for him, 18 points on 8 of 10 shooting. I think we're going to maybe see a bit of a sort of return to what we saw in the first part of last year for Ibaka, where he's just relied on to score, and the fact that he like kind of loves to shoot whenever he gets the ball is actually going to be a benefit for him, and I think we could see him sort of mix and match in the starting five. I think, you know, no Marcus Gasol or Kyle Lowry in this game, so it's hard to say exactly what Ibaka's role is going to be, but I think we saw sort of some nice flashes from him in terms of him not being afraid to shoot. He had a couple of threes that he threw. He threw up one three and it was it was cash and he had sort of a nice little turnaround jumper. He got in for a couple dunks as well. He was kind of all over the place scoring from a bunch of different levels and I, I really enjoyed Ibaka's game. You know, all of the rave reviews that have been coming out of camp about Ibaka from Nick Nurse and the like, you know, that we kind of saw that bear out in this game and it just sounds like he's very prepared and very ready for whatever role he's going to have and that's nice to see and hopefully he can have a continuation and I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being like the second highest scorer on this team you know I think not the second most important player considering Gasol and, and, and Lowry but if he's playing 25 minutes a game there's a chance he could put up 15 or 16 points a game based on sort of his usage when he's going to be in there and if that's the case like that could be the second leading scorer on this team I think it's going to be pretty balanced between him Gasol 
Lowry, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet. Like, I don't think we'll see anyone sort of creep up t- towards near where Pascal is going to be. I would assume Pascal will be the only 20-plus guy. And, you know, Ibaka is going to have his chances, and he's going to have a pretty high usage, I think, when he's out there. And th- a big part of that is due to Fred Van Vliet, who we'll get to now. I, I thought Fred Van Vliet was pretty encouraging in this game. <laughs> There's going to be a podcast dropping tomorrow that I recorded last night with Josh Howe, and... Like, I was a little bit sort of skeptical of Fred, I gotta say. I was not super in on, like, all the hype for this season with Fred, and he kind of proved me wrong in a couple instances in this game, and also kind of proved my concerns maybe a little bit valid in a couple other spots, but one thing that really stood out to me was him and Ibaka, finally, after really not having any connection really ever in their career together, had a nice connection in this game, and it was sort of more in tune than it's ever been. Fred actually completed a pocket pass to Ibaka in a pick and roll. That was nice. There were a couple of other connections as well under the basket, and I thought that was a nice encouraging sign because if the second unit is going to be led in large part by Fred and Ibaka, those two guys are going to have to be sort of the the usage bearers in that lineup, you would think. And it's really important that they have a connection. If that pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop combo is going to be what starts things out for, for the offense in the second unit, it has to have some sort of simpatico, and it looked like they had it today. And Fred, in general, I thought... You know, again, you're going to hear me be pretty sort of skeptical about him on tomorrow's podcast with Josh Howe, but I, I did. I think there were some nice signs. He got to the basket a couple times. He had a couple of nice, you know, finishes through contact around the rim, which has not been a thing he's really been known for in the past. He's been sort of, uh, and as his career has gone on, his sort of distance from the basket per shot has really sort of expanded. I think he was like 16.9 feet uh, away from the basket on his average shot last season, like three feet longer than or further out than his previous year. And he seems to be sort of gravitating more and more to the threes. But he looked pretty balanced in this game. He got into the teeth of the defense. He had five assists, a couple of nice passes underneath in traffic, and then a couple of those finishes as well, which was encouraging to see. Had a big three in the third quarter, too. There were still some sort of hiccups. You know, he is not totally super refined as a drive and kick guy or as a drive and sort of look for the next play kind of guy and there were a couple turnovers out of that but for the most part I thought Fred was very good he had 16 5 and 5 um, a nice showing from Fred as a starter with Kyle Lowry not in the lineup now quickly before we get to OG and Anobi, I want to remind you that Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand start your style upgrade right now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering locked on at checkout No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, so OG Ananobi, he started, he played 21 minutes, he had 7 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, he hit a 3 in the corner that was heavily contested. I thought he was his very typical, good, fifth option, low usage having self. It was nice to see OG kind of 
Back on the floor, the sideburn energy is very strong. He looks a little gruff and adult-like. I appreciate that. And I think it was a nice starting point for OG. He got a little bit in trouble a couple times trying to maybe do a little bit too much. That's out of his comfort zone, but it's the preseason. So I'm glad he was doing that kind of stuff. He had three turnovers, but also had a couple assists. And his defense was really, really nice. He had one steal in this game. And the steal was just like a lunch taking from James Harden. And it kind of continued the running theme of OG Ananobi somehow being just like one of the very best people on planet Earth at defending James Harden. And I'm not sure how much that really matters in the grand scheme of things considering the Rockets and Raptors only play a couple times a year but it's certainly nice and it's a nice sort of hint of what kind of perimeter defender he can be we've seen it before we've seen it with Bradley Beal and John Wall in the playoffs we've seen it with all sorts of guys OG is damn good on the wing as a one-on-one -on -one defender you know the off-ball stuff has always been a bit of an issue but I, uh, I look forward to watching OG sort of take on the number one assignments all season long because I would assume he's going to start at the three and I would assume he's going to draw those those big assignments because as much as Pascal is a great one-on-one -on -one defender and is sort of imposing for guys to go up against, he actually guarded Harden a little bit in this game. I think OG is probably better served as the number one defender just because Pascal's got to use so much of his energy at the offensive end and OG less so because he is OG and just stands in the corner and waits for open shots. And that's exactly what his purpose really is. I uh, would like to see him cut a little bit more and stuff like that, but I think that'll become more of a fixture of his game when he's playing with Marc Gasol a little bit more just because that sort of greases things up a little bit for the offense and Gasol's sort of kinetic energy as a ball mover kind of bleeds into the rest of the team I think when he when he's out there and will sort of I think inherently create a little bit more movement just naturally when he's out there um, it was a little stagnant with the offense today sometimes but still it didn't really matter they still scored 134 points so maybe I'm thinking about that a little bit too much Norman Powell started this game as well and was really impressive. Most of his minutes came in the first half as he sort of ceded minutes to Stanley Johnson and Campaign and Terrence Davis in the second half, Patrick McCaw as well. We'll get to those guys in a sec, but I thought Norm Powell was really good in his minutes. He was smart. He took a couple nice trips to the basket, a nice really great strong finish with his right hand through contact. He had a couple threes as well. And a lot like OG, I think he's going to be expected to be a sort of low usage type of guy in whatever lineup he finds himself in. It was nice to see him start today. I don't know if we'll see that once Lowry and Gasol are playing games, but I hope we do. And as I talk about on tomorrow's podcast as well with Josh, I think Norm should be the starting two. I think Fred should be the sixth man who comes off the bench and runs the second unit. And and I think what Norm did today made a good, pretty good case that he should be in that starting five. He didn't try to do too much. He didn't get outside of his depth, which he tends to do sometimes when he's asked to carry a big offensive burden. He took nine shots. That was nice to see him not afraid to shoot. And again, putting up three threes and hitting two was encouraging. Um, but none of the things he did really felt like they were out of his depth or out of his comfort zone or out of sort of his wheelhouse of refined skills, which we know can be a little bit narrow with him. So good game from Norm as well. And I thought it was a nice start after... Uh, a reportedly very bad performance in the scrimmage they had last week in Quebec City. Good to see him come back and have a nice, strong performance in only 18 minutes in the first preseason game. Now we go to the bench. Let's start out with Terrence Davis. Uh, not a great shooting night from Terrence Davis. Kind of a deceptively great game from him considering the shooting line. He had eight points, five boards, five assists, three steals, and then also was just three of 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from downtown. 
the shooting obviously not great and they're like the, the three-point release is a little bit slow and a little bit sort of Amir Johnson like a little bit with him but I thought for the most part Davis really popped on screen he had an enormous dunk to start the fourth quarter which was awesome uh, it might have been the second half it might have been the third quarter whatever it was he had an enormous dunk it was great um it was still they still had the sports net crew like the the in-studio crew of Brad Fay and Michael Grange talking over the action when it happened so we didn't get to hear Matt Devlin's response but I'm sure it would have been very fun and nice and then there was just like a lot of really nice instances of him showing good defensive instincts he had three steals a couple deflections and was really smart at sort of finding guys in traffic as well he has this weird sort of tendency to do passes well in the air and that could be dangerous obviously and maybe lead to some issues but he was for the most part pretty refined in doing that he found Pascal for a nice bucket underneath too when he first came into the game and I think the defensive skills there the strength that he has Leo Routens commented on this and I was just thinking it during the game like that dude looks like he's in like his fourth year of the NBA like he's just so like he just seems really polished for a guy who went undrafted. It's very bizarre that he went undrafted, having seen him play a little bit in summer league, and now here in one preseason game. But um, you know the offensive struggles are definitely real, and I think the the shot will be a bit of a, a work in progress for him. But if I'm like ranking what the Raptors' wings looked like today, he's very much near the top of the board. I thought he looked excellent, and his sort of calm demeanor when he's got the ball in his hands too. That was another thing that used him mostly as a point guard today which was encouraging because some of the other point guard options, as we'll get to in a little bit here, were not terribly good and are not terribly encouraging uh, as options. And so Terrence Davis sort of having a bit of a a lead for that job as the third point guard is pretty nice. I I hope that's the case. I hope he starts with the team uh, in the NBA. He might start in the G League. I'm not sure, but he seems like he's very much in line to, by the end of the season, probably be part of the rotation, which I think is very cool and good. Let's get to Matt Thomas, who played 14 minutes, came off the bench, had eight points, hit a couple threes, missed a couple threes as well, and had missed like a long pull-up jumper where he didn't really seem ready for the Rockets defender who was coming out at him to run him off the line the way he did, but he certainly did, and he was sort of a little bit caught off guard, I think, by having to sort of sidestep, put up a long two, that missed, but for the most part, man, that shooting stroke is so pretty, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely gorgeous, and Matt Thomas... Look, he's probably not going to factor into the rotation regularly just because I think his defensive liabilities are very obvious, but I do think having that guy, if you need shooting on the floor to offer some space to give a little bit of a punch to that second unit, which might be pretty shooting starved, I think there are far worse options than Matt Thomas, some of which are actually on this team already, which we'll get to. But yeah, I liked what we saw from Matt Thomas. It was weird to not see him hit 99% of his threes, but 40% will do, I suppose. And uh, it was it was a good little start for Matt Thomas. I look forward to seeing him a little bit more because watching him shoot is extremely, extremely fun. The next guy I'll hit on is Chris Boucher. He played 18 minutes. I My biggest takeaway, really, aside from his 12 points being uh, very efficient on 4 or 5 shooting and 4 or 5 at the line, uh, was that his new hairdo is very good. I like it. I think it's different. I think it adds a bit of pizzazz to the Raptors' hair situation. I think Ronda Hellish Jefferson does that as well. Even Terrence Davis with the headband and sort of the growing fro up top, I appreciate that as well. Good ingenuity there. But yeah, Boucher's new hair is fantastic. It's a nice bit of a change of pace. And he was pretty good on the floor as well. He played 18 minutes. He was big in sort of the start of the comeback in the fourth quarter for the Raptors. And look, man, I don't know what Boucher's 
outlook is going to be. A lot of his best minutes came against G League guys who were playing for the Rockets, which isn't surprising considering Boucher has dominated G League opponents throughout his entire career. But I, you know, it was encouraging to see him have a little bit of juice, I suppose. He had a nice bucket uh, in a pick and roll, which was cool. Uh, Like, rarely ever see that. Him and I think McCaw hooked up for that. And, you know, we don't really ever see Boucher not pop to, to three when he sets a screen. His screen setting is very bad. It's not really even existent. There were a couple times in, I think, the first half where he tried to set a screen for Terrence Davis, and then Davis just ended up having two guys on him because the screen didn't do anything to the defender, and it kind of created a bit of chaos for the Raptors. But, uh, you know, Boucher is going to be fun. At the very least, he's a beautiful, wonderful gift of a garbage time guy and I think that's probably his outlook as an NBA player but he was pretty good in this game and it was nice to see him pop a little bit even though the competition he was on the floor against was not exceptionally strong. O'Shea Brissett however I really sort of liked what his skills looked like NBA wise like I, I know he's a little green I know he played at Syracuse where they seem to really stifle NBA development at that school but he really seemed at home defensively in particular in this game. Brissett, I, I, I didn't really expect him to be sort of a, a clear sort of defensive anchor type, but he was playing center most of the time he was in the game. And like, I'm not going to say he's like an amazing rim protector or anything like that, but he really seemed to know exactly where to be as the big on the floor. He had a couple nice stands where he, you know, forced turnovers and stuff like that. And he also had some nice instincts offensively. He got up for a putback dunk. He was only one of four from the field, but he had a couple nice little drives to the rim and attempts at buckets that just kind of lipped out. And then he had one beautiful play for his one assist of the game where they were in transition and he caught the ball on the run and found Malcolm Miller in the corner for three. That was really encouraging to see, too, the IQ there, to be able to find that pass in such a quick turnaround situation. I think Brissett has a chance to get a two-way here. I I really do. You know, he's on the Exhibit 10 right now, but the way he's played and sort of his profile as a player where he can be a nice defensive big, the Raptors don't have much of that after Ibaka and Gasol. I mean, Boucher is not much for that just because he's so slight. You know, Brissett is so clearly built much thicker and stronger than Boucher is, and he can kind of be, I think, a more realistic NBA-level type defender than Boucher is. He's sort of, I don't like to disparage Boucher because he's fun, but he just doesn't really feel like his body is ever going to be conducive to playing like high leverage NBA minutes, whereas Brissett seems like he's pretty mobile, he's pretty quick, he can switch on to smaller guys probably, and he just seems to have the instincts to be a pretty good defender who can just be out there and not be a liability, which is nice. So good to see from O'Shea Brissett, and I look forward to watching him a little bit more here in the preseason as he fights for a little bit more than that Exhibit 10 contract, which I think is a 50k guarantee if he goes to the Raptors 905 if he doesn't make the Raptors, so uh, there's, there's more money in it for him him if he can sort of continue what he did today because I liked what he I liked what I saw in the small amount of time that he played four rebounds as well in 12 minutes he seems to have a good instinct for the glass too and sort of knows where the ball is going to be and that's good and encouraging especially since Syracuse guys are usually a bummer this is your invitation to a master class in engineering and design your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus performance line a feeling this dynamic is invite only fortunately you're invited Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. 13 minutes for him. What a trip this dude is, man. I, like We 
all season last year called Patrick McCaw the agent of chaos, Patrick McChaos, all of that stuff. We really jumped the gun there because Ronda Hellas Jefferson is so weird and wacky and like his movement is unlike anything I've ever seen before. He's just like constantly at a speed that doesn't seem to really fit what's going on. I made the comparison on Twitter to him being like a cartoon character in a live action movie where his movements are just like so starkly different from everybody else that it really stands out. He's got like crazy like he when you see a cartoon character running in place <laughs> that's kind of what it seems like because he makes a lot of movements and sort of leg action and stuff like that without really covering that much ground a lot of the time and he's just wacky man like he'll like he had a couple weird post-ups and stuff like that which was not something i really thought he had and he you know when he had the ball in his hands he had a couple weird f- flourishes where he'd get into trouble but just sort of like i don't know just pivot himself into a position where he can make a pass his feet just seem like they're moving a million miles an hour I'm not sure how he doesn't travel more but he had a pretty nice game like you know it wasn't like anything special or anything like that and I'm not sure what it means for him as an NBA sort of option for the Raptors this year but seven points five boards three assists two steals you'll you'll take that 10 times out of 10 for Rondé in a game where he's going to play and he seems like he's going to be able to offer a little bit of energy and he's definitely sort of on the upper tier of sort of that big collection of wings and you know Hollis Jefferson's more of a four than he is a wing I think but I kind of lump all these guys into the same bucket because I feel like they're all kind of fighting for minutes at different positions Rondé's will most be at the four as a backup to Siakam I'm sure but still I think he, you know, he offered some nice flashes. And, and yes, his offense is going to be an issue, and he's not a shooter. He was 0 for 1 from 3, and I would expect that he's really not going to take many threes just because I don't know if the Raptors really trust it from him. Nick Nurse said as much in the preseason, saying, like, yeah, no, we're not really asking Rondé to shoot threes. We're just asking him to provide energy. And if he can do that, there is A, a way into minutes here for, for Rondé with the team, and B, a way into the hearts of Raptors fans who, man, we know how much Raptors fans love like an energy guy who can't shoot shouts to Bismack Biombo, Pops Mensa Bonsu, Quincy AC, Reggie Evans all those guys like Hollis Jefferson kind of feels like he's in that vein of player and whether or not he provides tangible value to the NBA team every single night I, I'm not so sure but he has some pop and he'll have some moments he'll have some games and some sort of sequences where he really is fan favorite material which is cool and, and that's nice to have as your ninth or 10th man I think Stanley Johnson though so those are the sort of the two guys brought in quickly to replace, quote-unquote, Kawhi Leonard's presence on the wing. Uh, Stanley Johnson is not really encouraging to me. He, he just, he has no offensive touch whatsoever. He had a couple attempted layups that just totally bricked out. He, you know, got to the line once, that was okay. But otherwise, he was kind of non-existent in his seven minutes. I was honestly surprised he didn't get in until the second half. He didn't play anything in the first half. And maybe that was just a way of getting Norm his run in the first half before switching over to Stanley Johnson in the second. But for anyone who's been thinking Stanley Johnson might be able to play his way into a starter's job with this team, I think that very much was proven to not be a realistic thing for him uh, in this preseason game, and I don't ever really think it was to begin with, considering the number of guys they're invested in ahead of him on the depth chart. And honestly, like, it it was just disappointing, man. I, I don't, I never really had high hopes for Stanley Johnson coming in. And it's a little bit of a bummer that him and the next guy we're going to talk about are sort of the ones who are guaranteed spots on the team just because of what they make and their contract situations. But 
I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not super thrilled about the Stanley Johnson experience or the outlook. He had a really, really bad turnover as well that sort of negated a transition opportunity for the Raptors to just pick up the ball and threw it into the hands of somebody else trying to find Pascal on the other wing. And it was just like, you can't be making those plays, man. You have to, like, if you're going to be a guy who's not good at offense, who can't shoot, and who is branded as a defender, you have to not screw up the easy small things. Otherwise, your value on the floor, it just really becomes diminished. So maybe there's time here for Stanley Johnson to turn things around and show that he can be more worthy of minutes in the rotation. But if I'm ranking all the wings right now, he's probably near the bottom of the list for me or at the very bottom of the list for me. I just I wasn't really thrilled with the Stanley Johnson experience and I don't expect to be thrilled by it going forward either. On the note of being not very thrilled, Patrick McCaw. What what are we doing with Patrick McCaw, man? I, I don't know. Like, he's got money for the next two years, $4 million a year. They decided to bring him back. I'm not exactly sure what the purpose is, really. And maybe they brought him back without sort of knowing that maybe Terrence Davis was going to be more than we thought he would be. But I, I just... Man... The dude just refuses to shoot. Played 21 minutes, shot zero times in this game. He had four assists. He played a little bit of point guard. Again, I mentioned he had that nice pick-and-roll connection with Chris Boucher that one time. But just, you can't go 21 minutes without taking a shot. Like, this is a team that's going to be starred for offense as it is and looking for creation and looking for guys who can create shots off the bounce. And, like, I would much rather Terrence Davis take 11 shots and miss eight of them than Patrick Picard take zero shots and miss zero of them. I, I just... I don't really understand the appeal of McCaw. I didn't understand it very much last year, aside from the 1-3 he made in the finals, which was cool. And, like, yeah, I guess he has some, like, defensive potential. He had a couple steals in this game, but I just... He's with Stanley Johnson for me, where it's... I know he's pretty much guaranteed to be on the team, but why? <laughs> like, it just... I don't know really what he offers. There's not a lot of upside there. There's never really been much in the way of anything from him in his NBA career to suggest that he's much more than like a 13th 14th guy in a rotation like he hit a couple threes once one season with the Warriors and that was it and I just I don't know man I'm very unenthused by the Patrick McCaw thing right now and I don't know how the rotation is going to shake out but it's going to be a bummer if McCaw and Johnson both make this team at the expense of guys who have kind of popped and like I don't think that's going to happen necessarily I think most of these guys who we're talking about? I mean, the the Malcolm. I mean, I guess Malcolm Miller, for example. We'll get to him in just a second. But like, if Malcolm Miller doesn't make this team in lieu of Johnson or McCaw, which is very, very likely, I, I'm, I'll be kind of bummed because I think Miller offers a little bit more in terms of tangible NBA value than those guys do. Even though they have sort of more name recognition than Miller does, it's. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on the McCaw thing after one preseason game, but it's not just one preseason game. We saw the exact same story with him for most of last season, where he just would refuse to shoot, was not part of the offense, refused to take part, and didn't really offer enough in the other aspects of the game outside of a couple games where he would have some nice defensive flurries, but I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see with McCaw. I'm sure he's going to get more run. I'm sure he's going to be part of the rotation to start the year just because they're paying him money and he's just going to kind of be there by default. But my hope would be that like Terrence Davis would be ahead of him. And again, I don't know if that's going to be the case just because they're not invested in Davis the way they are with McCaw. But it's just plainly clear to me that Davis offers more in terms of NBA skills than McCaw or Johnson. And, and I think that's going to be sort of the key battle point of the preseason here is who gets those sort of in between guard minutes, those third point guard minutes, it really seems like it's down to McCon Davis for me. 
The other guy who's in the running, I guess, for the third point guard job is Campaign. I don't think Campaign is making this team. I just... He doesn't really do much for me. He played 12 minutes. He doesn't do much for anybody. This has been the entire story of his career. He was out there for the Raptors' comeback and holding on to win the game late, but... Like, I didn't really notice him. It felt a lot more like it was O'Shea Brissett and Malcolm Miller sort of contributing to what happened as the Raptors won that game. Payne just kind of seemed like he was out there. He had four points. He was one of two from the field, got to the line. He had an assist, a rebound. And again, was a plus 11, but I just, I didn't really notice him very much. And I just think there are better options. Like Terrence Davis offers more. I think even Patrick McCaw probably offers more than Payne as a point guard because he just seems like he has a bit more of a touch for running the offense. But... Ugh, I don't know, man. I, I think Payne is not long for this team. I'd be pretty surprised if he actually makes it, and then if he does, like that's going to come at the expense of somebody who I think is probably more deserving or more at least exciting in terms of their long-term future in the NBA than what we've seen from campaign. I think it's kind of clear by this point that Payne is just not really an NBA player. Maybe he gets sent to G League or something, but I, I just I don't really think he should be in the plans for the team. Isaiah Taylor didn't play in this game. He's another guy who. Um, from reports, sounds like he's pretty good and has had a pretty good preseason. Surprised he didn't play, really. Maybe he'll get more run in the next game as maybe Payne takes a back seat in, in terms of minutes for the next game against the Rockets on Thursday. But um, I, I would hope he does just because he seems even more like a NBA fit and like a strong defender and guy who's going to try a little bit harder than campaign who has never really had like the reputation of someone who's going to sort of fill in the gaps and make up for his lack of offensive skill or production with smart plays elsewhere. He just kind of seems like a bit of a, a, a net zero to me at the very, very best. And then lastly, that comes to Malcolm Miller, who, as I mentioned, was really sort of instrumental in that comeback late in the game. He had nine points. He was three of four. He had two threes as well. Had a nice drive to the rim. And Blake Murphy mentioned on Twitter that he you know, was sort of keeping an eye on Malcolm Miller because it seems like he's trying to add a little bit more to what he's typically been viewed as, which is pretty much a straight 3 and D guy. I mean, every time he's played for the G League team, he's typically just been 3 and D, average 10 points a game, play good defense, hit threes. That's kind of been his bag. And it might take more for Miller to make the team in terms of skills that he flashes. And it was nice to see him actually do that. And I, I again, would really be disappointed if he loses his spot in this team in place of a guy like Payne or Johnson or McCaw, and maybe they sort of work things out and they can get them all in there, but I just, for me, Miller really seems like, like he's had a couple years sort of lost to injury, right? And I, I don't really know how to sort of evaluate him based on what we've seen so far. He had those couple starts in his first season, and he looked pretty sort of at home as the fifth guy in a lineup. That can be good. That's a useful player to have. And on a team that's going to be starved for shooting, he's someone who has a track record of being a good shooter. And I could see him maybe even filling in as a bench guy, like sort of like a Matt Thomas plus defense type of thing. Not quite the shooter that Matt Thomas is, but he makes up for that with a bit of more defensive versatility and upside. And I would be pretty bummed if he doesn't make this team. I think it's kind of likely he doesn't, just based on the number of bodies they have in camp. And again, sort of the implied guarantees that seem to apply to both Johnson and McCaw, but Miller to me was way higher than those guys in terms of performance today, and we'll have to see how it plays out because I think that's, again, sort of the battleground is those two, three minutes 
in the rotation sort of behind the starters and even the first layer of bench guys. Where the rest of those bench jobs go is kind of anybody's guess right now, but I think Miller probably started with a bit of an outside track on getting one of those jobs, and here's hoping that his performance in this game sort of helped to move inside a little bit, because I think he's got some stuff there, and we just haven't seen it. And like, what were you supposed to see from him last year? He was hurt, came back, and then by the time he had a chance to sort of win a job potentially in camp and get some minutes, you know, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard were already there, and OG was on the bench, and there was just no minutes available for a guy like Miller. This year, there's more opportunity just because of the the competition that's at play here with Kawhi and Danny Green gone, and here's hoping that Miller can kind of gain a foothold in a way that he hasn't just yet over the course of his Raptors career. All right, I think I've gone through everybody. Yeah, I've gone through all 14 guys. Encouraging stuff. It was a really fun preseason game, which is not something I've ever said pretty much ever. I'm pretty staunchly anti-preseason as a concept, as a thing that I want to spend time doing, but I really enjoyed this one and uh, look forward to the game on Thursday as well. Also at 6 a.m., I'll do the same idea with a podcast right after, I think, and that'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Wednesday, we're going to have Josh Howe on the podcast. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet, and hopefully it's not too out of date after he had a very nice game. As I mentioned, in the first preseason game, we talked about what his future is going to look like. We talk about what his role is going to be with the team this season and sort of his contract demands that might be looming and all that stuff. Very interesting season for Fred Van Vliet, and he is pressing preseason question number four or three or five. I'm not really sure which one we're on, but he's one of the pressing preseason questions that we will get to tomorrow with Josh Howe. That one's already in the can, so keep an eye out for that one in the morning. And I think that's just about it. That's going to do it for today's episode. Please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated. And also, please check out all the NHL shows on the Locked On Network, all the NBA NFL, everything. It's crazy sports season now, right? So everything is kind of in full swing. Check it all out. Get all the content you need. And please subscribe, rate, and review all the shows that you like on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And that will do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.